Hey, Foreplay listeners, you can find us every Tuesday and Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Oh, should we start this show? Yeah, I'm down. Just buying a car in Carvana first. Ooh, for real? Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do is answer a few questions. Ooh, that's helpful. And now just customizing my down and monthly payments. Ooh, that's a very fair deal. Yep. Boom. Just bought a car. And you get to take me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up. Ooh. I'm kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Oh, should we start this show? Yeah, I'm down. Just buying a car in Carvana first. Ooh, for real? Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do is answer a few questions. Ooh, that's helpful. And now just customizing my down and monthly payments. Ooh, that's a very fair deal. Yep. Boom. Just bought a car. And you get to take me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up. Ooh. I'm kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Let's hit it. Okay, welcome back to Foreplay, Episode 7. It's Arnold Palmer uh, Invitational Bay Hill Week. We're back in the office after uh, a very rigorous work trip last week. I miss Florida. I miss Florida. Miss Jacksonville. Yep. I miss Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida. I mean, we were down there grinding, but the weather was perfect. We're about to get a huge fucking snowstorm when this comes out. Yep, it's true. By the time this comes out, we will have, it sounds like, a million feet of snow on the ground. Mm -hmm. If you check the internet or TV or anything like that. But it's nice to be back. It's nice to be back in the office. Nice to not be getting yelled at for doing your job. Yep. Although I miss, I also miss recording in a hotel. We had a good time. We're just lounging in our shirts, hanging out. We were watching some celebrity award show. I didn't know what it was. It was a great time. Oh, yeah, the iHeartRadio Awards that you didn't know what they were. Yep. We ordered, like you said, some pizza. We're not going to say who it was from until they pay us. Yep. Good, good call. Uh, on this week's show, I have <clears throat> four words that I'm trying not to say. We've got a lot of more pushback from this than I would have imagined we would, so let's hear the words you can't say. So the ones from last week, there's a new one. The, the three from last week were the word fuck, the word like. Um, what else did I... Phenomenal. And now there's two, there's two new ones. Okay, what are they? Phenomenal. Yep. And apparently whenever we talk to guests, I just say love it all the time. Oh, I think it's I love that. Or I love that. Some, some you know, rendition of I love that or love it. Fuck them not them not wanting you to say fuck is not fair. No, it's not, it's myself. I listen back and I say the word. F- I don't I don't care swearing like whatever. We swearing's how I talk to human beings when I talk to human beings. Yeah, but I I it comes in like massive loads. Okay, <laughs> that didn't sound great. <laughs> it comes in droves where I won't say it, and then in a ninety second span, I'll drop f bombs. Eight times. Or okay, that's different. That's it's, a lot different. It sounds a little ridiculous. And also, like is a scary one because I think everyone has that problem. Mm-hmm. And once you call that out, because you don't notice it maybe as much, but then when you say, "Oh man, I say like too much," then you can't not hear it. I don't think anyone else has commented on my use of it, but I notice. And you're right. Once I noticed it, it drives me insane. Yep. So those are my four words: fuck, like, phenomenal, and some form of love that or I love that. Trying not to say those things. Which we already recorded the interview, so I don't remember if I you think did that I said not. it many times. Many people were saying I probably said it many times. <laughs> um, so I think we're going to try to come up with some sort of plan where whenever I say 
the word of the week that I'm not supposed to say. I have to put a dollar into a jar. Okay. At the end of the year, I'll throw a huge party for all the four-play listeners or something. Um, anyways, we uh, greenskeeping, we have green jackets. Mm-hmm. Someone won one last week or last month. It's fantastic. Everybody uh, really likes them. Everyone's very jealous of them. Anytime we like wearing we, them. Anytime we post a picture, people are like, when are you putting them on sale? We're not. you got to leave a review, and we'll send you one. Go leave good. a review. Uh, say something that's funny. Leave a cool story. Tell a cool story. Something that catches our attention that we decide that you left the best review of the month, mm-hmm. and you win a green jacket. Go do that. Trent, Valspar Championship down in Tampa. Innisbrook Copperhead Course. Uh, Hadwin. First PGA Tour win. Canadian dude, what'd you think? I thought it was good. If you are like a casual golf watcher, if somebody tuned in, they were probably like, who the fuck are these guys on the leaderboard? I don't really want to watch this. If you tuned, if you turned away, that was a huge mistake. Because Hadwin had a four-shot lead going into the day, and it kind of looked like if you put it on cruise control, shot at par. It was a hard course. I mean, we're not talking in the teens in terms of uh, under par like they thought it was going to be. But now, once it got down to the end of the tournament, we had it neck and neck. Uh, Hadwin was up by two strokes until he got to the 16th hole, put it in the water, double bogeyed, and it was tied up between him and Patrick Cantley going to the 18th, which was great. Yeah, he uh, Hadwin, you know, he shot 59 a couple months ago. Yeah, the, the career, career builder. builder. So he's clearly a good player. He's just, it's crazy. It's another one of those young guys. I mean, if you can shoot a 59, you can win at a course like Copperhead. I was glad the course held up, too, because it, you know, with Herman shooting nine under day one, and there were a couple guys at seven, a bunch of guys at you know, right in that range where it was like, oh shit, I don't want to see a twenty-five under. Right. Course held up over the weekend, especially on Saturday. The greens firmed up later in the day, and putts and chips under the green were just rolling out. They could not get it to stay on. That's what we want to see. We want tough. We want carnage. It was tough to find birdies. So I think fourteen under won it. Yeah, fourteen under won it. I predicted twelve under, so I was close. But yeah, it was a it was a a. Great ending after a pretty anticlimactic day for the most part. It was, you know, it looked like Hadwin was going to run away with it. He was pretty much comfortable and then hits one in the drink and you're like, oh shit, we're attorney. That was the one where he could have done literally anything except put it in the drink and he would have won the tournament straight away with no drama. Him putting it in the water on 16 was high drama and I loved it. We got to talk about uh, Patrick Cantlay. What a story. This was just his second start in a year and a half. Yeah, he's got a he's got kind of a crazy backstory with back, no pun intended. He hurt his back, so he was the number one amateur for oh, I think it was fifty five weeks in a row, which was a record. He's part of the twenty eleven class, you know, Spieth, all those guys. He's only twenty four, unbelievable. And then uh, yeah, he gets the back injury. Not only that, tragedy strikes. His friend um, gets hit by a car and killed. His best friend and caddy. Yeah, so. Uh, that's another setback. So it's good. It's another one of those stories where you didn't see it coming, but then you see the potential of a guy like this, the talent of a guy like this. If he can put it all together, keep it going, this is just another guy to add to the group of young guys. Impossible not to root for him. He, too, he earned $680,000 uh, mm-hmm. to secure his card for the rest of the year. So he's got that monkey off his back. He doesn't have that weighing on him. I believe he was playing in a sponsor's exemption this week. I forget what it was. He needed like 620000 in the next like nine events or so to make that amount of money, and then he gets a solo second and just, you know, takes all that worry away. He's one of these guys just watching him. He, he did have the tough bogey on 18, the 72nd hole that ultimately cost him the tournament. But, man, he, he charged all weekend, really. He had an incredible Saturday round, fouled it up, making birdies, keeping himself in it so that if 
Hadwin did stumble a little bit, which he did. Cantley was right there. He's one of those guys. I think I think he's going to emerge from that group in a similar way that Justin Thomas has this year. Yep. With kind of those back-to-back wins in Hawaii. I think he's going to emerge and, and really be kind of a leader from that path. He gained himself a fan in me this weekend because I didn't know all that much about him. And then there was the back nine where I think he birdied four out of five holes and was yep. really pulling up next to Hadwin. And he not only was he playing well, but he had this game face on where he was like pissed and he wanted to win. Some people tweeted me they were a little turned off by that. I loved it. Uh, I want to see more of that fire. Hadwin is a smiling Canadian guy, but then there's Cantley who was just coming up behind him angry you know doing the whole thing i loved it yeah he had some gutsy moments that i liked like i said obviously people can point be like oh what are you talking about he bogeyed 18 i think he had birdied nine and ten and then can or uh hadwin made a putt outside of his for birdie on 11 and he stepped up and made five or six footer Mm -hmm. so he's he had some some gutsy moments i like him a lot like i said it was really really difficult uh once you heard the story if you weren't familiar with it to not root for him this weekend Good to see him in the mix. Good to see that he earned enough money. I like, too, that he was disappointed afterwards. He's like, you know, yeah, I didn't get the job. That I didn't fucking win. Yep. I like that. And we're going to be seeing a whole lot more of him now that he's got his card for, you know, he earned a whole bunch of it. So Excited to watch him play. Yes. Uh, we also had a couple impressive performances. Tony Finau shot a 7-under 64 yesterday to, to get inside the top five. Our boy Wesley Bryan. With another top 10, he finished T7. Wesley Bryan, if you want to buy stock in somebody in terms of like who's on the up and up, it's Wesley Bryan, not just a trick shot guy anymore. He is playing about as well as anybody on tour right now. Yeah, uh, our anonymous DM source had him as the outsider. I think he was 40-1, to 1, so we had a good amount of our listeners, fans, had money on him. He made it interesting. Obviously, he didn't get the job done, but he was right in there. Duff Daddy with a T11. Chubby Duff is back. Chubby, Duff. he was looking a little chubby, a little more comfy out there on the course. This is—I've been waiting for this to come back around because you knew it was only a matter of time. When you lose all that weight, I get it. Like you want to feel better about yourself, you this and that. But I was just waiting for Chubby Duff to come back around the sun, and there he is. And now I'm back on board with him again. He's playing well. One of our favorites, one of our oh. all-time favorites. Oh, come on, Duff Daddy. His waggle, his personality, everything about him, obviously. Slapping butts after major championship wins. I mean, obviously, it was my favorite couple in golf. One uh, of the goat wags of all time. Oh, unfortunately, it didn't end how we all wanted it to. But you know, things these things happen. You got to think he's pulling some tail somewhere that we'd be, you know, envious of. There was so I believe he lives in Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. I could be mistaken, but he was courtside at a Cavs game a couple months ago with a smoke. Courtside at the Cavs for Duck. Courtside at the Cavs. This was a while ago, but he's, I could see him having real sneaky game. He's one of those guys where I feel like he just ignores chicks and then they go crazy. They love it. Yes, have to try that. <laughs> That's, yeah, I don't. It works for a guy who you know major championship winner has a lot of money, but I don't know if it'll work as well for us. But Duff, I agree, probably has some game. Yeah, I think so too. We also had uh, our boy Jimmy Herman, mm-hmm. who we had a very unique interview, something timing wise that we had never done before. We're going to get to that later in the show. He ended up finishing uh, T three. Didn't fade, which was I was impressed by. Completely agree. Again, we'll have more on that later. Here's our interview. Great interview. Um, so we'll get to that. We had a couple of feel-good stories, and by that I mean guys that we don't like. Bryson DeChambeau made the cut, was in the hunt. People were getting upset. People were nervous. Oh, my God, this guy is going to really make us kind of eat our hat. Shot two overpower rounds on the weekend to fade completely. Also, Ian Poulter made the cut. 
Shot 76 ah, on Saturday. Sucker. No, just a couple feel-good stories there for the fans. Let me clear the air about Bryson DeChambeau okay. quickly. I've said it from the beginning that I don't like him, but it has been a product of him getting a lot of coverage without playing well. If he starts playing well, I'm willing to hedge my bets on Bryson. But it's just when he has commercials playing all weekend when he hasn't made a cut in like eight weeks, that's what drives me crazy. If he starts playing well, I'm willing to uh, thaw on him a little bit. That's what I'll say. And this weekend, between Friday and Saturday when he was in contention, was the worst example of that. He was headlining everywhere. Every golf Twitter account was tweeting, Bryson, Bryson DeChambeau has figured it out. He's gotten over the hurdle. What the fuck are you talking about? I'm so glad you brought this up. I didn't even know we were going to bring that up. It was true. Every golf Twitter account was like, oh, the scientist has figured out the formula. It was like one of the top articles on Golf Channel. Like, this guy, he made one cut in like a year. He fuck off. He and, stinks. And it's what I, <laughs> Squeaky rigs. And it's what I'm saying. It's the golf community... Uh, is craving for Bryson DeChambeau to do well because there's so much of this stuff that they can grab onto that they find interesting about him. And it's my problem where he doesn't play well and they still grab onto those things. So when even if they get a little taste of it, they're going to go crazy with it. And that's exactly what they did. That's exactly what they did. It was, it, was, it was nice to see, to reinforce how much we hate the media attention that he's gotten. It was like, oh, I, I thought maybe I was over it for a second. And then they rehashed it. It was like, I'm not over it. This stinks. Get him out of here. They made it worse because they played right into our hand. As soon as he, he was, was everywhere, even, <laughs> everywhere, he's everywhere. If he even plays s- s- a little bit well, he is. They think he's the next big thing. Thank God he faded. Had kind of a shitty weekend. So fuck him. Headlines, <laughs> uh, part three contest. They've kind of dialed it back a little bit. They're trying to, I don't know, trim up the field. Uh, I believe that it, it said that the contest will now be. Uh, open only to current Masters field and past Masters champs. Used to be a little bit more kind of honorary invite type thing. I'm okay with that. I like it. Me too. It, 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 it was becoming, I feel like, a little too much of a circus. Yeah, like there is too a little bit too much going on. They just they're, All they're doing is firming it up a little bit. Some people might view it as the Masters being more exclusive than they need to be, and they are that way on certain things. But if you just want to tighten up the part three a little bit, then I'm okay with that. And it feels weird for me to say that because usually we're all for circuses and shit. Cirque. I'm a little surprised that I feel this way about it. Me too, but I like it's the Masters. This is the one thing. Tighten it up. Keep it how it is. I don't want it to be uh, the whole thing be a fucking charade the day before the Masters. It's the Masters. I want it to be a little bit more serious, a little tighter, a little tighter field. You got to be in the field or you got to be a champ to get in. I love it. And if we're in the trust tree, I don't think I even noticed this in the past. Like I didn't, I didn't necessarily like that guy should not be there because he didn't win or wasn't a past champion or in the field. But now maybe I will notice this year. It'll be a little tighter. It'll move along a little quick, a little quicker. Uh, we'll see. And don't get me wrong, we love the part three contest. Huge fans. We love that it's a little lighter and all that, but. Tightening it up, Masters. I don't hate it. Tr- Trent, we had a little uh, course vandalism? We did have a little course vandalism. Uh, Donald Trump's course, and uh, the name of the course is escaping me. I just had it pulled up, but I let it go. Um, one, of his, one of his million courses. One of his million courses. One of his fantastic, beautiful, uh, <laughs> incredible courses, of which there are many. Of which there are many. Yeah. Um, an environmental group snuck onto the course in the middle of the night, uh, not happy with some of Trump's uh, recent policies, President Trump, and they etched into a fairway... No more tigers, no more woods. It's a play on words. It's a little uh, kind of a pun there. It's a play on words because no more tigers. uh, That's an animal. No more woods. These are are things environmental. There's a guy, Tiger Woods. Environmentalists worry about that. And then Tiger Woods is a golfer. So Environmentalists love tiger and trees, which is where wood comes from. That's true. So It makes sense. It's 
a weird move. I it's not going to do anything. This is the thing I hate about. I'm okay with like bringing eyeballs to a certain cause, but they just if this is all they're going to do is just like etch something into like ten feet of a Trump course. That's not going to do anything. Yeah, it's you know it's just one of those things you just kind of brush it off. You're not going to have a real effect. Oh, you zing Trump. He's a bazillionaire in the president of the United States. Right. I'm sure this is devastating him. I blogged, th- I blogged it today, and in the blog I was like, yeah, he's definitely saw this and changed all of his policies to the opposite of what they have been. Right. It's not going to work that way. Ballsy of them, this environmental group, they made a video of them doing it. Of them like, it was like- Show high- their faces? No. Oh, <laughs> pussies. I mean, that, <laughs> that would be a big mistake. But yeah. it was like, and it felt like high school a little bit, where they're like sneaking on your- uh, you're teepeeing somebody. They're just etching in. Egg in uh, houses. Remember egg those days? Oh. Also, my brother and I, I think I've told, have I told this story before on here? I don't we, think so. We used to t- twist up ketchup packets and throw them at cars when they drive by. That's a good, you know, uh, innocent kind of harmless little gesture there. Um, it's a, fun. A buddy, I didn't do this, but a buddy of mine said his dad used to do this with a buddy. They would stand on either side of a road. With nothing in their hands, but they would act like they're pulling a rope up, mm. and the cars would slowly slow up, and then finally realize that they were being fucked with, and just like speed away. Wow! You just do it every time. You slowly pull up an invisible rope, and the car stops. I love that story. There's a lot of good ones. So yeah, don't vandalize golf courses. Just go fuck with cars that drive around. Yeah, and don't vandalize golf courses for a cause. If you want to like make a difference, I don't know what the proper channels are, but this ain't it. Yeah. That's political Trump giving a little advice. That was me. For all of our environmentalist, uh, pro, you know, tree hugging type folk, listen to Trent. Trent's got some good advice. All right, up next, we've got, uh, as we teased earlier in the show, our quick, about 30 minute chat with Jim Herman. Yep, great interview. Great interview, very unique timing, like we mentioned, in that we were able to interview him Friday morning about 9 a.m. He teed off at uh, noon 13, so about three hours later. Shout out to him. Just like, hey, yeah, I'm not doing much of my downtime before my Friday round. I'll just come on, shoot the shit with the foreplay guys. Laid back guy. Yes. Awesome that he agreed to come on with us. Like I said, it was cool to pick his brain mid-tournament. He wasn't even planning on playing, which we get into a little bit. Was hitting it well. Decided to get into it. Um, so, yeah, really cool opportunity to talk to somebody while he had, I believe, a two-shot lead. Uh, yes, and we also got into a little bit of his backstory involving Trump, which was very, very interesting to people who don't know his story, so that's cool, too. First minute, maybe two minutes of the interview, uh, there's a slight echo. Uh, huge kudos to Tech Andrew, who was kind of manning the, uh, the Ford in there and doing all kinds of manual stuff. Maybe he kind of oversold what he was doing, but he eventually got rid of it, so it's very short. Minute or two of a little bit of an echo, that then the rest of the interview, it's uh, perfect. So please enjoy this interview with our guy. Uh, Jimmy Herman. Shall I take your order, or do you need a minute? Yes, I'll be ready. Just buying a car on Carvana. What? It's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do was answer a few questions. What? That's handy. Yeah. Now I'm customizing my down and monthly payments. What? That's an exquisite deal. And just like that, Carvana's delivering my car in a couple days. What? Oh, yeah. Uh, Sorry, I'll have the burrito. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Delivery fees may apply. Okay, we're now joined by uh, Jim Herman, who uh, this is unique for us. It's Friday morning, about 9 a.m. Just shot uh, 9 under 62 yesterday. Teeing off in about three hours. How's it going? Yeah, I'm well. Yeah, you can't can't complain when you got a 9 under on the board. No, that's a hell of a start. We were kind of laughing, too. Originally, we were going to record this, you know, Wednesday or Thursday, but you kind of decided last minute to play Tampa. Sounds like a good decision so far. Yeah, so far, so good. So, uh 
yeah, I was just looking for a couple weeks off at home. It was along West Coast, and I just had some good vibes after the uh, Honda, and I was playing really well, just didn't make anything, so it was kind of a late addition, uh, kind of uh, wanting to just get back right out and get on the golf course. So it was uh, definitely a good uh, good decision to get back out. Yeah, I'm kind of curious because, um, especially with Bay Hill coming up and a lot of people were kind of talking about um, that tournament, who's playing and who's not. Just kind of talk a little bit about what all does go into kind of the scheduling decisions, what what previously maybe made you say, no, nah, I'm going to play it, and then you decided, actually, I'm going to play kind of last minute. Well, you know, it, it all depends on everyone's uh, – I mean, I guess their status out here when you have a win like I have from last year's Houston Open, you're able to make your schedule pretty much however you want. And I haven't had that luxury in the past, um, you know, outside of last year where I was in the top 125 as well. So you can put a schedule together, pick the tournaments you want to play that fits your fits your eye, the golf courses or, you know, things that you want to bring your family to. So just a lot of things go into it. And then if you're forced into playing whenever you have to play because you're not you're not um, up the money list enough or like I was out of the uh, web.com uh, part of the uh, tour rankings. So you play when they tell you to play. So it's just been nice to uh, be able to make my own schedule. So family goes into that big, de- into the decision. I've got two children and my wife uh, we live on the other side of the state over in Palm city, Florida. Okay. But uh-huh. uh, you know, just an easy, easy decision. Once I decided to uh, make the the call here for Tampa, just to drive over on Tuesday afternoon, get some practice in, and then start it up on Thursday. All right. So you All shoot right. a nine under sixty two. You got a little bit of a lead. Would you rather tee off early today? I saw you got a twelve thirteen tee time. Do you just want to get back out there, or or what's your feeling going into today? Yeah. I mean, obviously, you'd love to go right back out. That usually means you played in the afternoon, and uh, obviously you have to switch. If you play in the morning, you play in the afternoon. If you play in the afternoon, you play in the morning. So best thing to do would have a, a really low round in the afternoon round, and then you can come right back out in the morning. But that's not obviously how uh, most rounds work out on tour. Low rounds are usually shot in the morning. With the uh, Usually the winds are down, and uh, you can take advantage, and then you hold on in the afternoon. So, yeah, in a perfect world, love to get right back out there this morning. Yeah, I'm sure you're a little you're a little antsy. We're obviously we're pumped to watch. It'll be really unique for us because we've never really interviewed anybody. You know, we've done a handful of pretty good interviews, but never really interviewed anybody mid tournament. So it'll be fun to watch it this afternoon. Yeah, we'll see how it all turns out. So to it. yeah, yesterday you birdied 16. You played the Snake Pit at uh, one under. Obviously, those type of stretches, you know, the Snake Pit, the Bear Trap, they get a ton of media coverage. Just kind of curious, you know, how are those stretches? How much are those really on your guys' mind out there? Well, it gets gets most of the attention, obviously, like 17, you know, 16, 17, 18 at Sawgrass, the Bear Trap, 15, 16, 17 um, there at the Honda at PJ National, and then the the Snake Pit here, 16, 17, 18. So, obviously, they just put a name to it, but uh, it's just usually the end of the uh, end of the round. So. Charlotte has the Green Mile as well, so just a way for media to, uh, you know, dra- dramatize golf a little bit more. So uh, we look at it as just another hole. It's usually just the hardest holes on the golf course, but right. uh, <laughs> they just uh, like to put a name to it. You're you're aware of it, obviously, uh, especially last week at the or two weeks ago at the uh, Honda Classic, PJ National. They have uh, obviously two of the hardest par threes that will play on the tour uh, in that in that stretch. So. Yeah, I didn't really realize either how uh, how rowdy the bear trap stretch in terms of the crowd had gotten in the last several years. Yeah, they've uh, 
really embraced that. Not a lot of tournaments have. They've embraced party hole um, right. mentality, <laughs> and uh, it's growing. It's it's good. You know, we don't we want we don't want it on every hole, but uh, obviously this is the 16th hole at the Waste Management at, at Phoenix is the gold standard for party holes. So I think everyone's trying to live up to that a little bit. I don't think we need that that level <laughs> right. out on uh, tour every week, and uh, especially on a hole like 17 at PJ National. It's such a demanding golf hole with uh, water pretty much on all sides except the back. So, you know, if it gets a little rowdy there and you're hitting much, a much more difficult club, usually a upwards four, five, six iron into that green versus a nine iron or some wedges on 16 at, at Phoenix. So there's a time and place for it. And I guess Honda is embracing it. And, uh, you know, it, it'll work for a while. I don't think it needs to get any bigger than it is right now. Yeah, I was a little, I was just a little surprised by the rowdiness because, like you said, the holes, the holes already hard enough. You don't need a bunch of, you know, fucking clowns going nuts out there in the hole. You're trying to hit a tough shot, but, uh, but anyway, moving on. You opened with uh, a thirty. You played the back nine first yesterday. Then you birdie four of the next five holes. You know, any any real low numbers start to creep into your mind there? Maybe a fifty-nine. Sure. I mean, obviously. Uh... You know, anytime you're getting near double digits under par, there's always that thought. You know, you don't even, not even, I really wasn't even aware of what par was or what it would take to get to 59. Usually it's at 13 under on a par 72. But, uh, um, you know, I was just trying to, to make as many birdies as possible. Um, you know, it, once you get, you got to get to 10 under before you even think about it because, uh, you know, you obviously got to get double digits. So. I had four good holes coming in while I was nine under, so um, I just didn't hit it as close as I had the uh, previous 14 holes, and uh, I really didn't have many good looks to uh, get it further under par than I was. So um, yeah. just yeah. keeping keeping it nine was uh, really good to uh, finish the round. Yeah, I'm curious because golf's such a funny game. You know, you think we kind of we we try as best we can on the show to relate to just kind of your average guy that goes out and. On every level, sometimes you play really well, sometimes you play terrible. Is there something yesterday in a round like yesterday that's just clicking, like something that's just different where you know, like, hey, you know, today I I freaking got it today? Um, yeah, you, you always – there's there's obviously been times where I've felt really good going into a tournament and I just didn't have it. Um, once the uh, – once you put the peg in the ground on the first hole, it just didn't uh, transfer from practice uh, to the tournament. But I felt really good going into yesterday. I had some good practice the week before, and obviously I committed. Uh, I felt really good. If I wasn't on, I, I don't think I would have come over to Tampa. But felt really good coming in, and then um, during the Pro-Am on Wednesday, I I really struck the ball well, and I was rolling the ball well. I just had a, uh, like most people, we on on the on the tour we were always looking for something new and uh to replace <laughs> a uh part of our game that uh wasn't always working so at honda i i, I played really well tee to green but uh i just didn't make anything and um i would have been definitely in the top 10 contending if i just could have made a few putts um like i did obviously yesterday but uh so just a little putter switch went back to a different model the day after honda i played in a Seminole pro member switched putters back to a model i used all last year um during the win and everything and sometimes you just even things you win with you you, you get a little tired of and you think there's something better but uh just back to old faithful and uh um 
you know, this week, and she she cooperated, and we were making some putts. I think we had 25 putts yesterday. So. Yeah, it's funny. Putting, it's just that, that mantra never ends. Just whatever works in the putting green. You take everything else out of it, whatever the hell's working. Well, it's always the saying, drive for show, drive for show, putts for dough. But uh, you got you got to be able to roll the rock uh, on tour if you're going to be uh, in contention. Are you a superstitious guy at all? Anything you did before yesterday's round that you want to maybe repeat for today's round? <laughs> I like to say that I'm not, but I definitely do do some things that would be classified as superstitious. So, uh, <laughs> let's, let's name a couple of them. Well, sometimes you eat at the same location. You you know you have the exact same uh, uh, the exact same thing to eat. So uh, I do fall into that routine. Whether it would be um, you know just out of Carabas or if it was a Chipotle or just whatever you do, it just seems like all right. We're just going to repeat that. Um, I'm kind of the same way. I never really classify myself. I always say, no, no, I'm not superstitious. But if I do something well, you, I'll do the exact same routine the next day. Exactly. I mean, I, I guess we're just trying to trick ourselves mentally that we're not superstitious. But, you know, you fall right back into it. But, little uh, little head games yeah. with, with ourselves. I like that. Exactly. Um, Those things, uh, same ball marker, you know. Just, yep. You know, just same, same little thing. Same little ideas. So. Well, I got to ask you about the ball marker because you pretty famously rock a presidential ball marker from uh, what is it? Somebody back in Michigan or something like that? I read. No, uh, I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay. Uh, um, good friend of mine, Steve Wider. He uh, moved to Florida uh, when I was uh, um, just finishing up school at the University of Cincinnati, and uh, he was starting his journey in the golf business and moved to the PJ Village, and I ended up. Uh, following down to that area and i was trying to make it on the pga tour going through mini tours and uh, the q schools and everything like that but we were good friends in ohio and then uh, we've stayed good friends and live in the same town in florida he's a history teacher now and uh him and my other my agent michael wolf they came up with this idea about using the 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 dollar presidential coins that uh he had just gotten out of a coke machine one day at work and he's like oh, we should just use this so and then he started in with a little history lesson for uh the ball marker each week so it's been nice a little fun thing and uh we got president taft working this week he's a okay. bearcat as well so uh, well, that's gonna be my next question good. who do we got on the coin this week but yep. But. yep so then the superstitions there are we play well He's, the the coin stays the same. If it wasn't a very successful day, he gets switched out. So you might be a pretty superstitious guy, Jim. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it's, <laughs> I think it's turning uh, turning into that. So Copperhead's pretty uh, traditionally tough course. I was looking seven under got into a playoff last year, ten under the year before, and then seven under in 2014. Uh, you know, why do you think the course played a bit easier? Obviously, especially for you uh, yesterday. Well, I just think uh, there were a couple items. Uh, the The golf course was re resurfaced uh, two years ago, and last year the greens were not as uh, and were not up to standards as they normally are on the tour. They were just coming in off a of grow in, so they weren't as true, and it was just more difficult to make putts last year. Um, so this year, another year of growing, they're just perfect. So the ball is rolling exactly where you want it to go. So the greens are or more true and then uh, obviously yesterday first thing out in the morning the wind was down just like I said morning rounds on tour 90% of the time are going to be where the lower scores are so wind is a is the biggest defense out here it's tree lined 
you know you get the you get the wind thrown in the middle of that it goes down holes where you think it's downwind but it's actually playing into the wind just because of the tunnel effect with the tree-lined uh, nature of the course so the wind just plays tricks on you out here and that's what makes it uh most difficult. Yeah, the players, I feel like uh, Copperhead, it's one of those courses that the players, every time we go there, just rave about it. What is it about the course that, that the touring pros seem to just love? Well, we're in Florida, but there's a lot of terrain. <laughs> you know, it's just so different. We're used to just the fat, flat pieces of land, you know, homes on, on each side. BJ National is your more typical um, Florida swing golf course. Yeah, Bay Hill, uh, too, I feel like is pretty Bay flat. Bay Hill, yes. Bay Hill fits that mold. You know, Doral has the water. Uh, like previous, previously had Doral in the schedule. Doral has all the water. Right. But uh, Copperhead just doesn't have as a, just has a, a pond on uh, on 16 and the pond on two and in between two and three, but uh, really not a lot of water, which is you know obviously so atypical for a, a Florida Florida golf course. So um, I just think the rolling terrain. Uh, the tree line nature and not a lot of water, I think, makes it a uh, a favorite. So, uh, curious what the game plan is here. You know, ninety nine point you know nine 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 percent of our listeners will never play on tour. They'll never have a lead like you got on tour. It's pretty much almost exactly three hours now to your tee time. What's you know what's Jim Herman up to for the next three hours? Well, just uh, finish up with you guys and then uh, get the outfit ready. It's probably going to have some superstition involved in it. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> we've already decided that I'm, I'm uh, superstitious, so yep. Yep. probably going to have a little blue pant, uh, red red shirt going on. I kind of like wearing blue, so uh, just get just get dressed and get another cup of coffee, and uh, I'm a big coffee drinker. So You do too much? You get, the, you get jittery at all? No, I don't think there's ever too much. Uh I think if I don't have enough, then I'm kind of too low-key, and I'm not even, you know, I'm not out there. So I like the coffee to get me uh, get me going, and that's my club pro days. I was a club pro um, four or five years before I got out on tour, so the early mornings of being a golf golf club professional is uh, you'll learn to love coffee. So the the five, the four and a half, five, five a.m. wake-up calls for the six o'clock arrival, it definitely leads to uh being a heavy coffee drinker so <laughs> yeah that's continued and i do enjoy a couple cups of coffee so a cup of coffee get in the car drive over to copperhead get a bite to eat and uh just relax and head out to the uh, putting green about an hour before my starting time and then just do the same routine a little putting 20 minutes of long game a little pitching and chipping and then finish up with putting and then uh off we go. Just kind of stick to the same routine, superstition, uh, <laughs> and uh, and go from that. So go yeah, that. I, that's a good transition because I feel like a lot of people uh, probably don't realize that in 2006, you know, you're just a uh, you had tried, I believe, in 2000, you turned pro, you grinded out the mini tours, which is obviously you know we've gone over it with a couple of our other guests, some of the toughest grind, you know, trying to make it in pro sports. There is 2006, you're you know an assistant pro at Trump National in Bedminster. New Jersey. I feel like a lot of people probably wouldn't realize that. Yeah, um, it gets more and more. The better I play, the more my story's told. It's uh, not your. It's not the normal path for most guys out here, but uh, we've all had our stories and our own paths and our own journeys. Uh, you know, if you're not a can't miss kid coming out of college and all American, um, it's not the easiest road. Just like any any professional sport, um, you know, baseball just 
years and years in the minor leagues just trying to move your way up each each level until you can get to the big dance um you know yeah and we uh um, we we have to yeah. That. yeah we have uh you know we don't give a shit at all about politics anything like that we don't it has nothing to do with our show at all we just think that the story i mean the fact that in 2006 your assistant pro uh, you get on uh, Donald Trump's radar. He starts to help you out a little bit. He believes in your game a lot. He still believes in your game a lot. I think that's just uh, a phenomenal story and a phenomenal connection, no matter what. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's been uh, pretty amazing to uh, think of how this has all gone down. And uh, just took that job in uh, right around the new year in January of uh, '06. Okay, and I got a call from Mickey Gallagher, who's the head professional at Trump National Bedminster, friend of mine. Um, I'd met Mickey a couple times, but uh, my college roommate was uh, working for him at a previous position, and uh, he wasn't going to take the job with the assistant job with him. And he called, or he told him to call me. I'm in Florida, just uh, you know, can't make it on tours. He's working in the golf business, but a great player, and uh, be great, great for the position. You know, who knows what happens if I don't take that job? It was I'd just gotten married in o, in 05, the September of 05. You know, I had to move my wife and I up there and you know she was teaching school in South Florida and she didn't come up till June so I you know we're married six months and off I go to New Jersey she stays in Florida for an, uh, <laughs> another another four months so yeah who knows what happens if I don't take that job I feel like maybe eventually I would have got through but the uh, added confidence of being around now president but uh, then real estate mogul he was just uh, he's exudes confidence and he made me very confident in myself when I played with him I played very well and you know I just always got a shot in an arm a shot in the arm when I play with him of uh, confidence it's uh, it's been a great story and I'm glad that I've been able to be around him and uh, you know I'm able to call him a friend and uh, it's uh, pretty amazing that uh, he follows my golf uh, just as much as some other things. So. Yeah, it's great because even, you know, I'm trying to think back uh, this time last year in the heat of kind of the, the primary race and all that, and he said um, when you won the Shell Houston, you know, he turned on his TV, sat down, and immediately, you know, started tweeting and being like, that's my guy, Jim Herman, what a finish. I think that's just, uh, it's wild, and it's, uh, it's it, we might have, we might be on to something too with the, uh, the superstition thing because I've seen you several times kind of say, I always play well when I play with Trump. I, I do. I, I, I just don't. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm usually on my game when I'm with him. So it's uh, it's and it's and it's just him. I think uh, we every, most everyone plays well around him. Um, he's just a very confident guy, and uh, we all have fun. Makes it very loose. It's a it's a fun foursome, and uh, obviously we're just playing for fun. It's not a, a high stakes game or anything like that. But uh, uh, it's just a fun time being around uh, around him then, and uh, even now as uh, as the president. So a few weeks, uh, we just kind of touched on it, but uh, you're going to be the defending champ at the Shell Houston. Uh, you know, what do you think that's going to be? Are you going to be carrying the chin maybe a little higher when you stroll in there? Yeah, I would think so. I, I, it's, it's a new experience. My only one win on the web, on the web.com, came in Australia, and I didn't get a chance to uh, defend there. I moved on to the PJ Tour, so I haven't had a chance to be a defending champion in anything since I've uh, you know made it out to the, the web.com or the PJ Tour. So it's going to be a pretty, pretty exciting week. Um, the build-up to it for me, obviously, is doing a lot of interviews and uh, you know things like this for you guys, and uh, I can't 
tell you how enjoyable it is to go back and talk about it because, uh, you know, obviously who wouldn't want to talk about, you know, one of your greatest moments of your life. So yeah, <laughs> it's been, uh, it's been very enjoyable doing interviews and talking about it, but, uh, yeah, here in three weeks, um, yeah, going back to a place that, uh, changed, you know, I was having a very successful career for myself. I was five years on tour, but, uh, just, uh, living anonymously on tour, you know, no, you know, it was great, great for me, great for my family, but, uh, um, obviously then just steps up a, another notch, uh, when you are able to put yourself in position and, and, uh, pull it out. And now I'm able to call myself a PGA tour winner the rest of my life. I mean, it's just, uh, amazing, amazing feeling. And I uh, can't wait to get back here in a, in a few weeks. So last year, just to, to, to keep talking about it, it seems like you enjoy talking about your, your win. Why wouldn't he? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, you had about, I think on 18, 72nd hole, you had about 20 feet. You just have to two-putt for the win. For whatever reason, I feel like those t- those those mid-range or lag putt-type distances, when you just need two putts, they become a lot, lot harder. They do. They do. They're very hard. And uh, <laughs> going back to the 71st hole, I had about a uh, uh, 25, 30-footer. Seventeen uh, is very difficult hole as well. Just doesn't have the dramatic, uh, um, not as dramatic without the water that eighteen has. But a very difficult hole in its own right. Um, had that lag putt. You know, I, at this point, I'm leading. I, I need, I need two pars pretty much. It would be difficult to ask for someone to birdie seventeen or eighteen to, to tie. Right. Um, so I just need two pars, and I've got 30 feet on 17, and, you know, that's the length. You, I left it about five foot, five foot short. Uh, you're always thinking, don't <laughs> run it by, don't run it by, and then you leave it short. So uh, that was a, <laughs> that was the putt, obviously, that really made uh, um, 18, you know, more of a par and you win versus par as a playoff or, you know, bogey, you lose. So right. I had to make that putt on 17. It was obviously a, uh, a big putt for me just to make that. And then I had the, that, that chance on 18 just to, uh, you know, watch, watch Hendrick. He's right in front of me. And, um, you know, I, I knew exactly what I was going to have to do. Uh, he was not able to make birdie. So par wins it for me. And, uh, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big uh, tin cup fan, so <laughs> unfortunately, you know some of the endings on that are are not uh, <laughs> not the same, not the thing that you that you'd want. But uh, a lot of the sayings that they have in there, I sometimes repeat. And you know, they're in that last fairway, and it's like, all right, Roy, you know, I think he says there. I think he needs birdie, birdie to win. Birdie wins it, and after Henrik putted, made his putt and missed, and just they're talking to myself. Uh, like I'm sure we all do uh, in golf, talking to ourselves oh, a little yeah. too much. But, you know, just I remember mouthing it, just, all right, par wins it. Let's go do it. So um, hit, uh, obviously, that great drive and uh, hit a good, great, pretty really good approach. It just didn't get as close as I uh, thought. Um, 20 feet, two putts sort of win. Obviously, uh, it helped, I think, on this one. It wasn't going to be about getting there. It was going to be how far by is it going to go. It was kind of down, up and down a hill. So leaving it short was probably out of the question. Yeah. Um, you really had to hit a really poor putt to um, leave it short because it was so quick running away. So I got a good read from uh, Jamie Lovemark, who was my playing uh, partner that day, and uh, he had a similar line, and uh, it was really quick going over the hill. So um, 
it was nice to see that uh, leading into my putt, and uh, I was able to get it down there pretty close. I I don't recall being nervous over that last putt. Um, it didn't feel very long at all. I don't know what the actual stats were on it, if it was two or three feet, but uh, I think it was somewhere in the two-foot range and, you know, just stepped in and hit it right away, and uh, that was it. Man, that's awesome. That I'm just is. like, even as a golf nut, I'm like getting chills just you talking yeah. about it and that type of insight, man. That's just, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty amazing to get yourself into into those uh, positions. I mean, obviously the the whole tournament comes down to, to you and, uh, you know, are you able to answer the bell and uh, perform? So it's great to be able to say that I was able to do it. That's incredible. So we, uh, we're we going to finish. We always close with a little rapid fire. We just got a couple quick questions. Um, yeah, they can be short answers. I can, I'll can. i go first. Okay. You ready, Jim? Mm-hmm. Okay. What is your go-to curse word after you hit a shitty shot? Uh, man. It's usually uh, – oh, we, we can curse on here? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. You know, just like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Love that one. I yep. like that because you're questioning it. You're like, what in the fuck was that? Yeah. <laughs> that comes out a lot. A little, you know, in text with all my friends, it's WTF. So we're pretty. <laughs> but that one's used quite a bit, you know. Uh, Hopefully the camera's not on. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What is the worst incident of hitting a spectator that you've ever had? Uh, I, I've been very fortunate that I haven't hit many people and the people that I have hit, it's just been, uh, glancing or, uh, um, nothing life threatening, but, uh, my brother has a different story. He got hit at, uh, Augusta in, wow. uh, during the uh, second round of Augusta national last year at the masters, he got hit in the back. Um, Jesus. <laughs> so that's a, that's a funny uh, story that we tell a lot. He, he brings it up quite a bit. And then my wife, my wife actually, she got hit in the hand, um, in the in the forearm. I'm sorry, uh, this past uh, a few weeks ago at Pebble Beach by uh, one of the amateurs in an, an adjacent hole. So um, very scary. It was, yeah. um, you know, they're just on another hole and one come, comes flying in. Um, you know, a foot here or there, and you never know what's happening. So it's a dangerous game. Spectators are. Uh, uh, <laughs> They're at the mercy of us golfers, so they gotta they gotta watch out. But my my worst incident was uh, uh, last year. I think it was last year at the Memorial. I need a par to make the uh, make the cut at uh, uh, at Memorial. I'm on the ninth hole, just down little downhill slope, just pond right in front, gallery on the right side of the pond. They're not in play at all. I have a, a gap wedge, and I. Got a little close to the hosel and, uh, and I uh, put a little shank on it. All and, of a sudden, uh, they're in play. And all of a sudden, they're in play, and I got a guy right in the ankle, okay. oh. and uh, it was bruised up pretty good. So what's, that's my only. What's the go-to there? Are you like a sign-the-glove guy and give it to him? Yeah, you apologize as much as you can, and uh, yeah, glove, ball, whatever you can give him. I don't have uh, – uh, I, there's a lot of publicity with uh, Phil, his bankroll. He usually gives a glove with a hundred or something in it, but uh, oh, <laughs> Phil, something like that. But uh, yeah, just a glove and uh, a couple apologies. All right, Jim. I think that's all we got. I, I think I can speak for uh, Trent and our little producer Rob here too. That we're big fans coming in. I think we're even much bigger fans after having chat with you. We this really, really appreciate good. you taking the time. This was great. Yeah, thanks, guys. It was a fun time and. Uh, Let's uh, 
We'll do it again sometime for sure. Absolutely. Good luck this weekend. We'll be pulling for you. And uh, thanks again for taking the time. We really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. All right, Jim. Take care. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Jim. Yo, next round is about to start. You ready? Yeah, yeah, just shopping for a car in Carvana. For real? Yeah, Carvana makes it super convenient to shop whenever, wherever. For real? That's a ton of car options. Yep, and these are all within my price range. For really real? You can afford that? Yeah, with Carvana. And boom, just like that, I'm getting it delivered in a couple days. For really, really real? You just bought a car. For real, and you just lost. My turn. Visit Carvana.com to shop for thousands of vehicles under $20,000. All right, that was Jim Herman. Uh, what a chat with that guy. Yeah, I liked, uh, obviously, a, an opportunity for us to talk to a guy during a tournament, but also just him talking about conditions and shots he's hit, especially at the Shell Houston Open. Very, very cool insight from Hermie. Like that we determined he's super superstitious after saying he's not. Yeah, he was like, I'm not that superstitious. And then he's talking about different presidents on different coins that he uses if he's feeling one way or the other. You're a superstitious guy, Jimmy Herman. Different outfits, sticking with outfits, uh, about as superstitious as you could possibly be. He's talking about Chipotle. He's talking about this and that. Very superstitious. So he went 71 Friday. Um, It's very, very difficult always to follow up a really low round, like a 9-under 62 with another solid round. Held it together, played well Friday, Saturday. He shot... Uh, even part both days. Sunday, a three under 68. Finished just two shots back. Like we mentioned, he wasn't even going to play. Hell of a week for him. He's the defending champ at the Shell Houston Open in a couple weeks, yeah. which we talked about as well. So, I didn't want to uh, say I thought he was going to fade because I wasn't sure. But at a tough course like that, it's hard to play four rounds consistently like really well. And he, he did really well, I thought. We were a little nervous. We couldn't decide either if it'd be good for business if he just collapsed. Like if he shot, oh, I talked to the foreplay guys two hours ago and then just shit the bed on the course. Yeah, some golf channel and that's where I was like, what was the difference between you shooting a 62 and shooting an 81? <laughs> this is like fucking foreplay guys. This, I went on this Barstool Sports podcast. I'm never doing that again. <laughs> I think that'd be great for business. Yeah, um, I mean, all, all publicity is good publicity. Yeah, so we've said this a couple times now, but I think I'm a bigger fan afterwards. Haven't chatted with him. Didn't... didn't uh, Know about a ton about him personality-wise, things like that. Hadn't really heard or listened to a, a ton of interviews. Really glad we got him on. What a normal, very normal, just relatable guy. Yeah, and I, I think that's been the theme with a lot of our interviews. When we come away from him, we're like, these guys are way cooler than we thought. Maybe it's because our interview style isn't uh, as polished and as professional as all the other ones, but that might work in our favor with guys like that. Yeah, and uh, he's got a, a very an interesting backstory. And all of that. So, uh, so yeah, I was really glad we got him on. Thanks again to uh, to Hermie, as they call him, for hopping on with us a couple mm-hmm. hours before his round. Great week for him. Happy to see. On to from the gallery. We Every- got, uh, what's up? I was going to say everyone's favorite segment. People love it. Everybody loves it. Don't be afraid to email us, foreplay at barstoolsports.com, at foreplaypod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, first one, guy had a pretty weird uh, situation where he got matched up with a stranger on a golf course. We've all been there. We've all had horror stories. Sometimes we've had good stories. You never know. This guy says, boys, I had a real weird thing happen to me the other day on the course. I was out playing a quick nine by myself and unfortunately got paired up with some rando. This always sucks as it is, but this guy was asking me religious questions the entire time. I didn't want to be a dick, so I was kind of nodding along with his conversations. We've all been there. Conversations about Jesus and whatever he says. Jesus, he said Jesus and whatever. <laughs> he literally wrote Jesus and whatever. <laughs> Here's where things got weird on the ninth green after I shook his hand and tried to get my ass out of there. He asked me if I wanted to take a kneel, a knee, 
and pray. What would you guys do in this situation? We had a group behind us, and I just wanted to get off the green, but I didn't want to be rude, so I was like, what the hell? I'll get it over with, and he did it. Do you guys have any funny or awkward stories being paired with random people? I'll be honest. Religion is one of those things where I feel about as awkward and un, just unfit, uncomfortable as I possibly could be. <laughs> yes. Yes. But- I don't know how any of the things work, touching your shoulders, the <laughs> trinity. I don't know any of it. So, like, if somebody, if somebody said on the green, will you pray with me, like, even more than I wouldn't want to be praying, I'd just be embarrassed. I don't know what to do. All right, that's an interesting point. Yeah. I would say I would relate it to a lot like when you go to – as you grow up, you are like – you go still go to like uh, mass on Christmas or on Easter. And my family, that's the case. You just go to make your aunts and your moms and dad happy. Yeah. And you just sort of like play along. I think that's what I would have done in this case. I didn't – I don't want to be there. I don't want to be there on Christmas and Easter. But I'm there, so I'll just – just do it, get it over with, and just hope for the best. I agree. I mean, I probably would have done the same thing in the same situation. I would have, you know, you can kind of, I've realized you can go through the motions and make it look like you're doing it, maybe just kind of half-ass. Yep. I will say, in the situation that I'm talking about, there's lots of people, so you can fake it and nobody knows because you're in a sea of people. If it's you and one other guy. On, a gr- on the ninth green <laughs> with, a gr- with a group behind you. Any mistake that you make in terms of, you know, head, stomach, yeah, shoulder, shoulder. We're do- by the way, we're doing it right now. And yeah. We're touching our shoulders we're praying, and foreheads. We're praying in the Barstool podcast studio. Yeah, after we but just dropped like 100 F-bombs, I owe like a million dollars to the podcast. When it's just you and the other guy, he is going to notice. Unless you close your eyes when you kneel. Oh, boy. Because otherwise... I don't ever close my eyes unless I'm sleeping. <laughs> what a quote that is. It's, I don't trust people. Not so even... I would definitely not be on a green where people who might hit a golf ball with my eyes closed talking about, quote, Jesus or whatever. That might be the biggest flaw in this guy's idea is like, hey, let's close our eyes, bow our heads while there's dudes launching go, fucking rockets we'll go at kneel us. kneel in the middle of the green with our eyes closed. That's a weird move from that guy. What a fucking psychopath this guy is. Jesus. Oh, I didn't mean Jesus. Okay, all right. There's a lot going on here. Him him saying Jesus and whatever was great. I've never had anything like this. Uh, I feel like the the most awkward thing you can get is get matched up with a a random angry golfer, basically. Because it's like, oh, yeah, really nice to meet you, Jim. And then he just starts ranting and throwing his clubs and being super pissed off immediately. Which is incredibly common because... People on the golf course are completely different people than they are in real life. 100%. I get very frustrated in the golf course, but when you're with somebody random, and there's certain people that just don't handle it, and man, they go they go nuts out there, and you're just standing there like, okay. It's like, hey, man, we just met. Why don't you dial it back a little this bit? This is weird. So <laughs> I've never had anything that wild, but it's a very relatable situation. We've all been matched up with random guys. It, it Sometimes it can ruin can really ruin your round, especially when you got to do the Jesus be, or whatever. You'll thing. be hard pressed to find a weirder story than being with a Jesus freak and having him kneel on the ninth on the ninth green. What a story! That's a good one to have in your back pocket. Touche to that guy. Thanks for sending that one in. Next one, a guy. Uh, this guy kind of went on. He talked about equipment, equipment changes, the greats versus now. Ultimately, he got to the point of he believes that golf is perhaps the only sport of the major sports where the old greats would beat the current players. I would argue that's incredibly wrong. He wrote this down like it was fact, and like we were supposed to just discuss if it's the only one or not, not is it true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there are... This guy's an idiot, I think. I think he is too, because there are very serious talks in the game about just how long these new players are. 
I mean, they would blow the old players out of the water. I wrote, I just, I looked this up five seconds ago. Bobby Jones won the British Open at St. Andrews in 1927 with a total score of 285, and he won by six shots. Zach Johnson, when he won in a playoff, the British Open at St. Andrews two years ago, he won with a total of 273. And that's Zach Johnson we're talking about. That's not some guy who's bombing it down the fairway. And you can go look at the scores, and everyone's going to be like, well, the equipment and all that. Yeah, I get that. But look at 273. That was three guys got into a playoff with that, and Spieth and Day and all those guys were just a couple shots back, one shot back. And so what's the argument with equipment? Are they saying that it's He's just- saying if you put the same equipment that these guys have in the old, in the hands of the old greats, same conditions, same ball, same clubs that all the guys have now, that they're better than the current guys. No, that's incorrect. I think that's wildly incorrect. With the fitness Nutri- and all of the nut- track man, the nutrition, all that goes into it, they stare at videos of their swings. Don't get me wrong, some of those old guys, they could definitely compete. Some of them have unbelievable feel, and there's the intangibles and all that. But if you're going to look across the board, there's literally no argument to be made. No. There really isn't. And I, I, how this guy was just saying that as like a fact, like, oh, golf, the guy they could compete is not true. So The only sport that I think that's true in, if we want to get in a little bit of an argument, I think is baseball. Yeah, we've talked about that before because the bats, they're still the, the wooden I, bats. I think pitchers could tie up, like I think, uh, I'm blanking on anything, but I think old pitchers could do pretty well against hitters nowadays. Yeah, I still think the, 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 new te- the teams nowadays – would be overall better, but I think it'd be closer than any other sport. Definitely. Football, obviously not. It's just big monsters would just destroy Football everybody. is so insanely different now than it was, and then basketball, maybe basketball, but that'd be closer than the other ones other than baseball. Definitely not golf, I don't think. No. Not um, but, I mean, it's also one of those who knows, but I... Well, that's the thing. We can argue about this till we're blue in the face. We'll just never know. And again, I do think some of the top, top of the line greats, if you're talking about Nicholas, like you might find one or two examples where they could really compete or even be the best guy, sure. But he's talking about it like the old greats would just crush the entire field now. All of them. Yeah, which is an insane notion. So that's just not true. That guy's wrong. <laughs> Next one. Uh, thanks for, thanks for uh, emailing in, though. Yeah, appreciate it. Send in a, a different one. Well, we did talk about it, so that was a good, that was a good one. Uh, Nolan sent in, he said, I was wondering if you guys had any good non-monetary golf bets with you and your buddies. For example, my friend and I have an ongoing bet. We choose a par three before the round and see who can get closest to the pin. The loser gets to pick the winner's phone background until the next time we play together. I lost the last time we played, so I've had the same background for five months. It's been a constant reminder that he's better than I am at golf. It's a nice bet because it doesn't put a dent in my wallet. When I lose, I was wondering if you guys have anything similar. I do. Uh, I'd have to think about it a little bit, but I'm more curious about what this, the background is on this guy's phone. Like Me he, too. I can't how is he, he not going to put that in there? I should have responded to the email and asked him. I, it's a really good point. Like, is it like a big old dick? That's what I was going to think. Dick and balls or something. He makes it seem like since it's been five months, that maybe it was like a picture of, I don't know what it could be. you got to make it fucking gruesome and gross yeah because that sucks yeah looking at gruesome gross stuff sucks. every time you open your phone how many times do you open your phone during the day you think hundreds hundreds especially us hundreds hundreds and this guy i feel like he just like put the background of some golf course he doesn't like or something you need to put it like yeah like the hole that he lost on Ooh. Ooh. i need like a knife wound or uh <laughs> a shotgun blast to somebody's leg all right so trent you're into like violence you're you don't like looking at violence do you? 
No, not really. That's, uh, that's what I'm, okay. <laughs> I'm just saying it needs to be more extreme. Or, like, some picture of some super fat chick. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a good one. Just some gross, gross fat chick. That's the. Uh, but uh, what do you have in terms of you do have one of these? Yeah, so my buddies and I have a thing where if the – this is a good one. It's funny. We've had some really funny videos come out of it. Maybe I'll find them and tweet them out. Where if you lose by another member in our foursome, if you lose by 18 strokes or more, you have to crab walk from the 18th green to the car. Like it. I like that a lot. <laughs> no matter how far the distance is. Oh. And you have to crab walk the whole way. And it gets intense coming down the stretch of your 15, 16 shots back. And, you know, you start to shit the bed, then you got to embarrassingly crab walk your bitch ass all the way to the car. I feel like crab walking is sneaky exhausting, too. Oh, it sucks. You, like, you be and sore for a week. You're like a crab. You move really fast for, like, the first 20 yards, and then you're just toast. You're dead. Yeah, you, like, collapse to the ground. You're ar- it's just, like, weird muscles that you never use. And But it's very, very funny okay. to watch somebody kind of motor around like a crab. I got to tell you. I did not think I was going to like that story as much as I do, and I hope people do this now. Maybe not 18 strokes. Make it something. Something, yeah. Make it where if you beat a guy by a certain amount, he's got to crab walk to the car and send us those fucking videos. Yeah, yeah. We want people crab walking on the course. Make it whatever you got, but that's the best one we got. And like I said, it's produced. It's produced some really funny. And you're just hammered drunk, so you're like, this sucks. Like, fuck. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, you got Sometimes you see him, like, crab through the bunker or something, like, <laughs> trying to take the most direct route. I like, can't see behind you. And you're, like, on. Sometimes you got to go over, like, a gravel road. You know, it's just you don't know what's down there. Yeah. It's, it's great. It's a really good tradition. Throw that one in there. Uh, last one for from the gallery. Uh, Chris, he says, last week's episode, uh, Riggsy mentioned that he and his buddies, they do a Ryder Cup-style tournament every year. Just kind of wondering, can you talk a little bit about that? Give some tips on uh, what setup we could use that's both competitive and front fun. Um, so, yeah, I'm actually a part of two different kind of Ryder Cup type trips. I'm going on one in two weeks down to we're going to Austin, down to Barton Creek. This was what your 40 days, 40 nights was. So, yeah, my last day of my 40 days, 40 nights, parentheses with a snow day, close parentheses. <laughs> is would be the friday that i arrive on this trip yep and it's you know these things have to evolve because the first year it's like anything else there's growing pains there's little kinks you got to iron out to make it the best trip how many people do you say are involved in this 24 that's a fuck ton of people to do anything i'm not talking about organized golf tournament to do anything it's insane and we have a i can already tell insane is going to be my new word it's okay it's okay it's okay god damn it Riggs. so we have 24 guys, and we have a waiting list of a handful of guys. It's all my, my buddies from college. Okay. And it is – there's a core of them that all played on the golf team. So it, we have an unbelievable skill discrepancy oh, yeah. from guys that are legit <laughs> plus two or three handicaps, scratch, all the way up to guys that are 30 handicaps. Shout out to those guys. Those are my people. That stink, that play very similar games to Trent, what I would imagine Robbie – you know, I'm somewhere in the middle. Um, and so we have – it's always tricky. The best way, you have to rely on the handicap system. We decided, I think a year ago, to just require everyone to have an official handicap. So you got to get one. Otherwise, you can't come on the trip. 
it does cost 30 40 bucks a year, whatever the hell it is, but you put your scores in, make sure you have a handicap, make sure everybody understands how to put the scores in correctly. I cannot explain enough how important that is to the trip. Everyone says it's a nuisance. Everyone says, you know, that's an, an unnecessary expenditure, et cetera, et cetera. It's not. It's really the only way to make it fair. You can max and kind of cap out the handicap. We usually do like 25 or something like that. Mm-hmm. You just cap it out, and then you try to group everybody together. But we do. We've now made it. We, we made a mistake the first couple of years where we we didn't want people to have to take Friday off work. So they would do we would do 36 holes on Saturday. We would do the morning uh, best ball, two-on-two, two, and then we would do the afternoon and be scrambled because it's a little bit more of a shit show. Everybody's been drinking all day. Yeah. Scramble's a little more, you know, lax, whatever. And then Sunday singles. Now we've made it a requirement three-day trip. We do best ball on Friday. We do scramble on Saturday. And then we do singles on Sunday. Okay. And then we always do, like, optional fuck-around round afterwards if you want. Okay. And whatnot. And the problem that we had previously was everyone would be outside in the sun drinking so heavily all day on Saturday. By the time we went out to dinner Saturday night, everyone's, like, falling asleep at dinner. Right. That's Shotgun good. mulligans and all that <laughs> shit all day. You're just a dead person. People crab-walking fucking everywhere. Crab-walking. Your hands are all beat up. So uh, that's the best format we do. I highly encourage that you implement awards into the show or into the trip. So we do one where the losing team that loses the worst that week. So if you lose seven and six or something absurd like that, we have these absolutely gross, disgusting head covers that you have to put on one of your clubs for the entire year. Nice. And your bag, you and your partner, you have to rock those. We have another like MVP, you know, trophy that's a really original trophy. That's mostly off-course MVP. Okay. We have for the team that uh, records the lowest net scramble score, we have these cool pin uh, lapel pins that are customized. You guys are official. So you got to have shit like that because people take it really seriously. Right. And, you know, and guys will, like, wear that when you go out to dinner on Saturday night with your buddies, like, like, throughout the year. (laughs) They'll wear their cool lapel pin and shit. It might sound dumb and all that, and your girlfriends and shit will make fun of you. Call you losers, they but just, you, it means so much to they you. They just uh, them them girls. They just don't get it. Them girls just don't get it. <laughs> uh, so try to implement as much shit like that as you can. It keeps everybody engaged. Yep. Yeah. Uh, all of that, and yeah, and that's the best thing you can do. We rotate every year. We go to different places. It's very. It's it's definitely expensive to travel every place. So like when we first got out of college, we couldn't really do it the right way for the first couple of years. So we didn't. Now it's been you know. Six, seven years since we all got out of college. So we go to different places. We went to Innisbrook uh, last two years ago. We went to Amelia Island. Oh. Um, this past year. And then, like I said, we're going to Barton Creek just outside of Austin, Texas this year. So, um, so yeah, I would I would encourage people to get involved in those if they can. I think people are going to be really interested in that. I mean, 24 people, I'm telling you, that number blows me away. It's they, amazing. It really is amazing. And, you know, you treat it as like a reunion. Right? Yeah, that's of just course. like what we do as a reunion golf's part of it. Of course. So you go, you hang out, you get to play and you know, you try to mix up the foursomes as much as you can, play with all your different buddies, you don't get to see that often. That's a good way for them to sell it to their, you know, significant others or whatever. I have a question. What's up? Same partner every year or no? No. So we do one of my trips we do same teams. Once you get drafted onto a team, that's your team for life. Oh wow. And the two teams hate each other. We've never lost. Shout out to the Back Nine Bandits, that's my team name. The other one we do a draft every year. Um, and so those teams are not, they're just, they're changed up every year. We get like u- new uniforms and all that shit. Mm-hmm. Again, sounds stupid. People make fun of you. Do it. It's very fun. It gets everybody involved. You know, haters are going to hate. Fuck them. So yeah. That's a Taylor Swift song. Yep. Um, so yeah, that's what we do. I'm very pumped. Obviously I'm animated going in two weeks. Cannot wait. Yeah. So yeah. 
That's pretty cool. It's a good time. It's a good time. Uh, anyways, Bay Hill Week, Arnold Palmer Invitational. Mm-hmm. RIP to the king. RIP. The goat. It's going to be emotional. I agree. We uh, we tweeted out from the 4Play account, at 4PlayPod on Twitter. We tweeted out a video, and uh, you just see it, and you get a little emotional. You get emotional. He they, just, they just unveiled a statue there of him, which looks amazing. It does look great. It's huge, which I like. It's huge. I think I forget how much they said it weighed, but it weighed more than I thought it was going to. Just it's, weighed a lot of just a lot of pounds. Yeah, tons so of pounds. So many pounds. Uh, so yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good week. I like this course a lot. It's also Bay Hill has been on the radar because it was just always one of the tournaments that Tiger played in. Yep. Right. So I feel like every one of those is basically on your radar. He like, like put them on everyone's tournament. radar, even right. when he's not playing in them. It's just like, oh, Bay Hill. That's where Tiger did some awesome stuff. Exactly. So it's uh, it's a tournament you look forward to every year. But this year, there's been people have been taking some heat for not showing up. There's a little bit of controversy because it is you know the first one since Arnie died. And, yeah, some of the guys – I've just got a list of guys here who are not playing, and I think they've been taking some heat uh, for not doing it. We've got Dustin Johnson, Jordan Spieth, Phil Mickelson, Adam Scott, and Justin Thomas are not playing this week. Justin Thomas uh, says he has one of his college teammates and best friends are getting married that weekend. So, I mean, that's fine. I don't, I don't know. Which way do you go with this? In it's terms tough of- because I never – I pretty much never want to shit on people for their scheduling decisions. Right. You know what I mean? It's really tough. These guys play a ton. They're they're on the road. They're traveling. Everybody, you know, and that's cliche. Everybody always talks about it, but it's true. It wears on you. Now, they make so much money that they don't have to play every week, you know? So, I don't blame them for that. That's fine. They've done well. Uh, we live in a capitalist society. They've figured out a way to make a ton of money and not have to go play every weekend. They have their own reasons, et cetera, et cetera. It's not like these guys have not honored or paid tribute to Arnie by just not going to the tournament. Yeah, they're not, like, spitting in his face. Not That's not close. what that is. I mean, they all respect Arnie, clearly. It does kind of stink that you're not getting the world number one who's not there. It'd be good to see Spieth there. I mean, I, I understand everything you're saying. I just wish they would all show up. You know, everybody, no matter how tired, tired you are, no matter how much money you already made, I would, you know, everybody, Arnie just passed away this last year. Everybody go to the tournament, but I totally understand the scheduling. Thing. There's a there's a significant concern um, in the golf world that Bay Hill, the Arnold Palmer Invitational, is going to fade, uh, similar to the Byron Nelson and all of that. Now that Arnie's passed, guys aren't going to show up. There's also a narrative that there's a decent amount of players that don't love the venue. They don't love the course. Mm-hmm. And so those types of things are going to be tough to overcome. Yeah, I don't think it really surprises a lot of people that certain names aren't showing up. And like I said, I never shoot anybody for their scheduling decisions. They do whatever they want to be in top form for the events that they think matter the most. Those are the majors, the WGCs, all that. So it's and really you still hard. got five of the top nine players you still in the got world. Big names yeah. there. I mean, Rory, J Day, J Day, Hideki, Stenson, Ricky, Justin Rose, Danny Will, Bubba Watson, Brent Snedeker. It's a good list. It's a good list. There are, but there are some glaring uh, non-attendees. Speaking of Stenson. We're going to get to our anonymous DM sources picks for the week. I got to be honest. I don't, how long do we ride out Capfather? He had a tough week. He had a bad week? He had a bad week. Pick JT. Uh, JT, MC, hammered it, missed cut. Can't do that. Um, he did have Brian, who was a long shot. It's almost unfair because he was so hot when we started doing this. Oh, it's very unfair, but it's a <laughs> tough game. If you're going to play it, here's why I'm pissed. is because I was betting very minimal amounts. When he was winning, mm-hmm. and then I went ham, and I've like lost all my money because I was pissed at myself for not betting enough and profiting enough off of the hot hand, the anonymous DM source. 
So then I started betting a shit ton, and now like people are missing. That's just shit. that's just the story of gambling in a nutshell, right there. Totally, and I've been you know, it's this is going to turn into a cliche gambler's discussion. No, but we about how sad I am about losing money. Right, I think we ride Catfather for a couple more weeks, see if he can turn it around. I think we we owe him that. We owe him that. Catfather texts me, he says my API picks are official. I like Stenson this week at nine to one. He was hitting the ball well last weekend. Just burned a couple edges on some long putts. Bay Hill greens are a little easier than Innisbrook, so the ones he just missed last weekend should go in this weekend. That's an interesting prediction. Dennis Potts are just going to go in now because they're at a different course. <laughs> we'll see how that plays out for anonymous DM source Capfather. I also fucking love Tommy Fleetwood at forty to one. Capfather always sneaks in at forty to one, which I like. He says, "I don't often absolutely love long shots. It's not true. You do this every week because they are so hard to pick. But this guy is nails." Uh, looked him up on the Euro Tour, and he's having a, uh, having a good start. Finished second in WGC in his only PGA event. His ball striking is ridiculous, and he has the swagger it takes to be a big time player. I'm all in on Fleetwood. So a lot of a lot of talk there about Fleetwood. Those are Capfather's picks. What do you think about those, Trent? You got any thoughts? Uh, those are all fine and good. You know who's uh, going to be playing this weekend? Who's that? For the first time in a decade. Oh, I do know. John Daly. JD. JD's coming back. JD back on a back on a sponsor invite. One of my favorite things about JD, I think it was 1998 on the sixth hole at Bay Hill, which is that par five that wraps around like a half moon. Yeah, he made an 18. <laughs> <laughs> Literally an 18. Doesn't matter what happens. If John Daly's shown up, it's going to be exciting. Yeah. Oh yeah. JD in the field. You got to like that. Getting a little. Um, what is it? Some sort of sponsor. Some sort or of sponsor. Yeah. Some sort of sponsored exemption. He says, always been one of his favorite events. He says, he can't believe it's been 10 years. I missed this place. Wished I could play it a lot more. I'm, I'm jacked up for John Daly to be in any tournament, but especially I'm just pumped. There's a lot of water around those parts for him to throw a little, uh, maybe a club into the water, That's something like thinking. that. Yeah, I'd love to see something. I just want him to make the cut. Just give me give me Johnny Weekend. Johnny Weekend's nice. It's just fun to have him there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that should be a good weekend. Like I said, it's going to be emotional. Um, we've been We're going to be drinking Arnold Palmer's. Of course. Naturally, in honor, you're not, the, in honor of the king. If you're not, you're an asshole. <laughs> I think that's it for the show, right? I think so, too. I think uh, I think we did good here. R.I.P. to the king. Let's have a good week. Hit it hard. Hit it hard. I hit it hard, man. Hard. So far, man. Hard. No, man.